Have you ever met somebody who just made you say, wow, that you were just in, in complete awe of, especially as they start telling you their life story and, and what they're, they're doing with their life and the experiences that they've had? You just kind of sit back and say, wow, and you're in awe of them? I had that experience this week as I met Stephanie. Uh, I was working out, and after I got done working out, a group of people were talking, and so I joined their conversation, and uh, one of the guys said, Hey, Stephanie, how many, how many kids do you have? And she said, You mean biological ones? And he said, uh, Sure. And she said, Well, I have three biological kids. Uh, we've adopted a, a kid, and we foster two kids. We've been fostering kids for ten years. My eyes kind of opened up pretty big. And, and then she went on to say that uh, they only foster kids who have medical issues, medical problems. And so she started telling me about some of the kids that they had. They, they had a kid that they fostered uh, who was shot straight through the chest and uh, his lungs were collapsing. And so he was dealing with, with collapsed lungs and they fostered him during that time. Uh, she told me about another one who had brain issues because uh, he was beaten as a child. Uh, and now she fostered him for a little bit. Uh, and then she told me about uh, Elijah. Elijah uh, is a kid who needed a kidney transplant. And he was on the kidney waiting list. And they waited and they waited and they prayed and they prayed. And finally, there was a match. And they were all excited because Elijah was going to be healed. This was going to save his life. But Elijah went into surgery and died. And my eyes got even bigger and my mouth opened. And, and then she went on to say, he's actually the second kid that we fostered that have di- has died in our care. And I think my jaw hit the floor in amazement. And I said, Stephanie, let me, let me get this straight. You have three kids, you've adopted one, and you foster kids with medical issues, and two of them have passed away in your care while you're taking care of them from their, from their medical injuries. And she said, yeah, that's right. And I looked at her and I said, how do you stay emotionally grounded through all this? Because no doubt you're pouring into them emotionally. You want to see them healthy. You want to see them get better. You want to see them go to a family that loves them and cares for them and reunite with their family and have a bright and loving future. How do you stay emotionally grounded? Especially now that two of them have died. How do you keep going with this? And I was especially thinking about it because of this time of year. It's Christmas time. It's the Christmas season. Uh, we're, we're told that it's filled with hopes, with joy, with peace. And, and some of us, we feel that. Some of us love Christmas. We look forward to it every year. Uh, we, we deck out our house. We're filled with joy and happiness through, from before Thanksgiving even all the way through Christmas. Maybe if you're like me, you start listening to Christmas music on November 1st or whenever the radio station changes over. But for others of us, this time of year is not always the most fun. There's struggles. There's fears. There, there's the reality that this Christmas isn't going to be the same as last Christmas because so-and-so is no longer here. And our hearts hurt. And we struggle. And we're filled with pain. Others of us are filled with anxiety. Others of us are filled with worries. Uh, And some of us are filled with conflicting emotions because part of us is hopeful and filled with joy and we can't wait. We're filled with merry and joy. But then the other part of us is 
worried and fear and struggles and and so we're kind of tossed back and forth and so where's our joy where's our hope how do we stay emotionally grounded in this season that was my question for Stephanie I wonder if Mary the mother of Jesus had conflicting emotions as the angel stood talking to her Mary was getting ready to get married, uh, and so she had to be filled with hope, had to be filled with all of her dreams coming true uh, from a little girl imagining her wedding day. Oh, this is going to be great. Joseph is such a great guy. We're getting married. And, and from little on, all she wanted to do was be a mother because even though it's not politically correct today, that's all women did in, in those days was be a mother. And so from little on, she looked forward to the day when she got to be a mother. And now it's coming true. Now it's happening. And not to mention, God Himself is going to come from Mary. Uh, she's going to be the mother of God. Uh, her, her, all of her religious hopes are coming true. You think she has reason to hope and be filled with joy? Absolutely. And yet that same circumstance that fills her with hope and joy had to bring fear, worry, and anxiety, right? Realistically, she still has to tell Joseph. Joseph is not a fool. He knows how this works. He knows if it's not him, it's someone else. At least that's what humans would say. What are are Mary's parents going to say? What's the town going to say? You can kiss her social life goodbye because it's one thing to get pregnant out of wedlock. It's another thing to then make up a lie, quote-unquote a lie, and say, God appeared to me and said that he's going to impregnate me. Uh, That's a whole other thing. Nobody wants to hang out with the woman who's saying God appeared to her and and impregnated her. Uh, You're not going to make friends that way. Hopes and fears... Absolutely for Mary. How does she stay emotionally grounded? We find it in Mary's song. And that's what we're looking at today. Mary sings a song to God. After the angel left her, uh, Mary went from her house down to her her relative Elizabeth's house because the angel told her that Elizabeth, her relative, uh, also was having a baby in her old age. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were past childbearing age, and yet they're having the child because God said they were going to. And so Mary says, that's it. I need to see if this is real. She travels 100 miles from Nazareth all the way down to Jerusalem, and she walks in and sees six-month pregnant Elizabeth. And she knows that this is reality. This wasn't a dream. This is truth. It's going to happen. And so how does she stay emotionally grounded? We're going to look at Mary's song. Uh, in Luke chapter 1. Sometimes you, you may have heard it called the Magnificat of Mary. Uh, it's a Latin word for the song. And here we go. Luke chapter 1. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. My soul glorifies the Lord. Uh, The reason it's called the Magnificat is because of that word glorify. Uh, In the Greek, the word is megaluni, which means to glorify or magnify. 
And that's really what glorifying something is, right? When you glorify something, you magnify it, you make it really big, you show what it's worth. And so she says, I magnify the Lord. And so that's your first point today. No matter the situation, magnify who God is. No matter the situation, magnify who God is. And, and really, in just in these couple verses, we see three things that Mary magnifies about God. So let's go back and take a look. She says, My soul glorifies the Lord. She calls Him the Lord. She magnifies the Lord of lords, the highest of high, the master of all masters, the king of all kings, the Lord, the Lord, the one who has control over everything, right? The one who has control over the very situation that Mary's in. Is it terrifying? Yes. Is she filled with hope? Yes. But she's going to magnify the Lord who's in control of this whole thing. He's in control of it all. And He's going to hold her up. That same Lord who was for Mary is the same Lord in your life. And so no matter the situation you're in, whether you have hopes and joys and excitement uh, and, and you're looking forward to something, or if you're filled with pain and you feel too far gone and you feel like you're just struggling in pain, magnify the Lord. He is the Lord in every situation of your life. And He is in control and He will hold you up. This is the Lord who's on your side. Notice the second thing that Mary says. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What's causing Mary to be filled with joy? She doesn't say, Oh, I'm filled with joy because I'm having a baby. Oh, I'm filled with joy because uh, I'm getting married. Oh, I'm filled with joy because... She rejoices in God my Savior. She rejoices. She's filled with joy because of who God is. And He is God, her Savior. When we hear the word Savior, what do we think of? We think of being saved from sin, death, and the devil, right? And to be sure, that's who God is. He he has saved you from sin, death, and devil. When Jesus died on the cross, He saved you from your sins. Completely, totally, 100%, nothing of your doing, He saved you. When He rose from the dead, He saved you from death. And with all of that, He has saved you from Satan and the devil himself. But God is more than just that of a Savior, right? To be sure, if that's all God saved us from, we'd be completely thankful that's all we need. But God saves us every day in our life. Who knows how many times He saves us from a car accident? Who knows how many times He saved us from heartache? Who knows how many times He saved us from financial crisis? Uh, Even when our heart breaks, He saves us from continued heartbreak as He gives us comfort and strength. He is God our Savior. And Mary says, I'm going to magnify God my Savior because I may be terrified right now. I may, I may be filled with hope and, and emotions conflicting, but God is going to save me because God is my Savior who saves me in every situation. And so I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm not going to rejoice in that my situation works out how I want. I'm going to rejoice in who God is. He is God my Savior. And then finally... He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. 
Wouldn't it have been easy for Mary to sit there and say, nobody can understand what I'm going through? She could have said, I am on an island. Nobody knows the emotions I'm going through. Nobody knows what I'm going through because nobody else has been the mother of God. Nobody can understand. And yet, what does she recognize? God is mindful of her. He looks down from heaven. He sees her emotions. He sees what she's going through. He sees everything she needs. And God says, I'm, I'm mindful of you. And she knows that. And so no matter what you're going through at this time of year or any time of year, I pray that you make Mary's words your words. Because this God has not changed from Mary's time to 2,000 years later to your time. He is the same Lord over everything. He is still God, your Savior, who saves you in every situation. And He is still mindful of what you're going through. You may feel like you don't want to sing Silent Night on Christmas Eve because it's filled with peace and joy. And you may not feel like that. You may feel more like uh, it's a silent night for sure, but it's filled with silent pain, silent struggle, silent grief. But don't find your peace and joy in your circumstances. Find it in who God is. He is God, your Savior. He's in control of everything. He's the Lord, and He's mindful of your state. He knows exactly what you're going through. Now understand, death hurts. Death is not fun. When when we lose somebody, it hurts. Understand that miscarriages aren't fun. Understand that that losing a job causes worry. Conflict causes anger. Uh, We have emotions. And emotions aren't a bad thing. But we don't have to be controlled and driven by our, our emotions, right? And, that is how, and how do we do that? It's by focusing on who God is and magnifying who He is. He is the Lord who's in control. He is God our Savior. And He is mindful of our state. And it is through Him that He holds us up no matter what situation we're in. This is what Mary says. I'm not rejoicing in my circumstances. I'm not despairing because of my circumstances. I'm magnifying who God is. But she continues. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary acts kind of as a prophet here. 2,000 years later, who do we still talk about? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Because who else was blessed enough to be the mother of God? Unbelievable. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Notice what Mary doesn't say. She doesn't say, for the Mighty One has done a great thing for me. Because having Jesus, having God of this world is a great thing, right? But she doesn't say that. She doesn't say, hey, this is a great thing God is doing for me. She says, the Mighty One has done great things for me. It's a subtle difference, but it's a significant difference because what's Mary doing? She's not just looking at the current circumstance she's in. She's looking at her whole life. And God has done so many great things for her. And so as you're facing a situation, as you're facing problems, as you're facing heartache, as you're facing pain and struggle, what do we do? No matter the situation, remember what God has done for you. 
has done for you. Look over your life and see how God has proved time and time again to be the Lord, God our Savior over every circumstance. Because He's been there. He's gotten you through. He's held you up through all situations in life. That's what Mary does. She looks back and says, God has done great things for me. The Mighty One has done great things for me. He's held me up through many trials and tribulations in my life. Unfortunately, do you know what we do a lot of? We look back and we say, well, God wasn't there then. He didn't save me from that heartache. He didn't save me from that. He didn't save me from this situation over here. And we focus on all the negative, and guess what we're missing even in the midst of the negativity? We're missing how God was there, being Lord, being God our Savior, holding us up, and getting us through. We're missing the great things that God does for us even in the midst of tragedies because we're too focused on how it's negatively impacted us. And we miss how God's held us up. And so this time of year and and every time of year, make Mary's words yours. Uh, God has done great things for me. And look for how He's done great things for you in every situation. Because what's that going to do for you? Next time you're facing a situation, next time you're facing a problem, you're going to say, I trust that the Lord, God my Savior, is with me because He's proven to be with me time and time again in the past. He's done great things for me. And finally, Mary closes her song this way. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as He promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Look at what Mary does. She doesn't just look back over her life. She goes 2,000 years before. And she says, He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as He promised our ancestors. She looked back into the past, not just in her life, but in past scriptures to see what? How the Lord proved that He is Lord and how the Lord has proven over time that He is God our Savior, remembering His promises to Abraham and his descendants. Here's your last point today. No matter the situation, remember what God has done in the past. And this is what Mary does. She says, Look at God promised to Abraham and his descendants. And He has remembered His promises to them. And it's coming true right now. And as she looks back over the past, what does she see? God has proved to be Lord and God the Savior in the past. 2,000 years before with Abraham. God said to Abraham when he was 75 years old and childless, uh, Hey, leave your land, leave your father's land, go to the land I show you, and I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Okay, God. Uh, and, And what did God prove in that situation? That he is Lord, in control of all. Because when Abraham turned 100 years old, he had a son named Isaac. And from Isaac came the nation of Israel. God proved to be Lord in that situation. 500 years later, when Israel was in Egypt, enslaved by the Egyptians, God proved what again? That he is Lord, 
God our Savior. Lord over the situation and God our Savior as He performed miracle after miracle and they escaped and they were saved. 500 years after that, 1000 BC, God promised David that he was going to be king, anointed him as king, and King Saul, who was king over Israel, found out about it and tried to kill him for 10 years, chased him around Israel trying to kill David. And for 10 years, God proved to be Lord of the situation. He proved to be God our Savior as He saved David time and time again. And now here's Mary. As we look back 2,000 years from today, and we see that God hasn't changed. He is Lord over the situation, in control of all things. A virgin gets pregnant with a child. And this child, God says, is going to be named Jesus. Why? Because He would save His people from, his sin, from their sins. Jesus actually means He saves. That baby born in Bethlehem was named He Saves because that's what He came to do because God proves time and time again to be Lord, God our Savior, who saves us. He is the answer to the promise to Adam and Eve. They sinned and what did God say? He looked down and He saw Adam and Eve terrified. Terrified of death because now they're dying. Terrified to be in His presence now. Terrified and have to hide and clothe themselves. And God looks down and he, he saw that and He said, I'm going to save you from this. I'm going to send somebody to take care of this. And that's Jesus. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. And when He died, He saved you from your sins. Completely, 100%, no strings attached. You are saved. He on the third day, rose again from the dead. And that day, He saved you from death. You are completely and totally saved because God proves time and time again that He is Lord, God our Savior. And so this Christmas, don't find hope and joy and peace in your circumstances, but don't despair in your circumstances either because God has proved time and time again to be that Lord, the Lord over all, uh, the Lord in every situation, and He proved time and time again to be God our Savior. This is who God is. And so no matter what you're going through, magnify Him. Look at your past. Look at the past in Scripture, and you will see He's proven it time and time again, and He will continue to be that God as you go into the future. He will continue to be the one to hold you up. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we praise and thank You that You are our Savior God. You are Lord in every situation. And You promise to be with us as we go into the future uh, and continue to be that God. We thank You for saving us from uh, sin, death, and the devil. And we ask You to continue to be with us in every situation. Help us to find peace and joy in You. In Your name we pray. Amen.